Hey, what's up, guys? It's Eric. Dear Hummingbird, break out the fine china, chill the lemonade, tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree, because this boy is coming home to see his ladies. Hey, guys, this is Joe. Put the bunny back in the box. On June 6th, the federal government will issue the following summer travel advisory. We're going to Disneyland. Yeehaw! This summer. What are you going to do? We're going to save the day. It's the pro. Let's do it. Versus the con. Strap in, ladies. Going for a night out in Vegas. Of Jerry Bruckheimer, the producer of The Rock. Con Air, directed by Simon West. I'm too old for this. Rated R. You're listening to Worth the Late Feed, the podcast for two former video rental clerks, watch movies that they may have recommended at one time to see if they still think the film would be worth keeping an extra day or two to watch again, even if it meant paying a late fee. What's new, Joe? Nothing, nothing much, Eric. We, uh, school is starting back up for a lot of our classes, so that's kind of where the focus has been um, this weekend, end of last week. Um, but I'm not sure if you've been following them, NBA playoffs are happening right now and I, it is getting exciting. I have not watched. I watched like five minutes of one of the Celtics games and that's it. I, that actually, um, I'm glad you brought that up because I have a beer for you. I was going to save it for a certain movie and Celtic pride. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was going to save <laughs> it for that, but I have a, a Tommy point. The beer is called Tommy point. Oh, that's from, awesome. Uh, Winter Hill brewing. Yeah. So I'll give that to you. But yeah, no, I, I've been so dialed into the NHL playoffs and I've been watching a lot of baseball, a lot of Red Sox, surprisingly. And then, but then just other baseball, there's so many fun teams to watch right now in baseball. So yeah, um, I'm happy we're doing the seven o'clock podcast and because the Celtics run right after this. So that's where my hockey game too. Is it? Okay. Yeah. So what have you, what have you been up to? Not a whole lot. Um, I'm kind of Bree. Bree works at a college that will remain nameless, and they were in the news today because they had an outbreak. Um, oh, did they? Oh, I for I COVID. Hear that. Yeah, so they had to um, shut down like one of their dorms. They like quarantined one of the dorms. They're not the kids aren't locked in that dorm. They sent them home. <laughs> I think they had a rule like if you live within X amount of miles of the school, we're not quarantining you here. Like, get the hell out of here. So. She's stressed about that. I haven't. I've. I've been pretty good though. I've been. Has she you know, been working? Just, has she been doing like a hybrid, working from home and going to the schools? Or is she actually in the schools pretty much the entire time now. She she could work entirely from home. She the, her one thing she has to do is she has to go get tested once a week. She has chosen to on that day where she goes and gets tested, work from the office that day. Um, that changed today. <clears throat> she didn't. She didn't do that today. Um, and I don't, I, I don't know. We'll see how it go. It is going forward, but it's, if it's not too crazy, it's good for her to get out of the house. And yeah. cause it's like, it's just, it's a lot. I mean, I, I'm not trying to complain. I'm lucky to have a job and she's lucky to have a job, but right. it does wear on you when you're like, I found that I've been way more irritable. And I think part of it is like, I, I have a job where I get irritated on the phone sometimes. And I think it helps to like have that and go and then leave the office and like have that be a whole different environment, you know, and yeah. go home and whatever. So, but no, I'm you know, in the like same boat. 
as you for sure. I, I miss the office for the same reason that I can separate work and my personal life and work life a lot easier than I can here. Whereas right. once, you know, once four <laughs> o'clock hits, I'm still in the same location in front of the computer right. still. So it's kind of like, I try to separate that. And I'm pretty good normally at, and this is like one thing where I think I'm better than Bree is I'm pretty good at leaving work at work and like I can have stressful stuff go on and I can have like a project that's kind of hanging over me. And once I go home, for the most part, I, I'm, I'm okay. But working from home, like I walk by the desk and I'm like, oh, I have, the, I have to do that thing tomorrow or yeah, whatever. But positive news. Um, one of the – the, this is like another unofficial sponsor of the podcast. So, so far we have two unofficial sponsors, which – and what makes them unofficial is that they don't pay us in any way nor do they probably listen to the podcast or, or even know we do it. But uh, so far it's the tap and call these both in Haverhill. But the third unofficial sponsor is the place that I get most of our beer is this, it used to be called something else, but now it's called RMA beer and wine in Amesbury. And I was showing Joe before we started recording. So you heard the trailer already. We're going to be discussing the movie Con Air today. And I was like, you know, I'm going to go try to find a beer, but I was kind of, I didn't think I was going to find anything really that good or that relevant. We'll put a picture up with, with it, but I found the most perfect beer ever. It's called runway number 24, uh, from broad Brook brewing company. And it's very good. Very good. We'll put the picture up later. But what I really want to talk about is the service at that place at, at RMA beer and wine in Amesbury mass They're They just, uh, they have like a few guys now that I see and they're all so helpful and so friendly and they have a great beer selection and you can just walk in and buy one of 10 different beers. You don't have to buy four packs or six packs or anything. So if you're in the area and you're a beer fan, um, I think there's, yeah, it's, it's definitely a place to check out. It's, it's fun. Cause sometimes I want to try a beer, but I don't want to buy a four pack. Cause it sucks when you buy a four pack and you take one sip of the first one. And you're like, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, I did I that last week. I didn't go through at some point to check this place out. Just kind of yeah, look at cool. all the cool car, the cover art and all that. For they, they've also they, the one thing that like my wife Bree loves it now is they've kind of part. They separated from the old. They used to be part of a chain and they've kind of gone out on their own now. And the other thing that they do now is they sell from local vendors. Like they sell like maple syrup from uh, like uh, Vermont and like certain local like cheeses and whatever. So it's a cool, it's a cool spot. And they're just, this, they're just the nicest guys. So that's awesome. Um, yeah. So like I said, I'm drinking runway 24 from broad book, broad brook brewing. It's an American IPA. It's delicious. And we are watching, uh, or we're reviewing con air. It was your pick Joe. So why did you pick it? Originally con air wasn't the pick for this episode, although it was going to make an appearance eventually. Um, both Armageddon last week and Steve Buscemi being useless in that film, I figured it would be a fun transition uh, back in the sky where Steve Buscemi is also useless. So we're going to kind of see, yep. see Buscemi, talk about Buscemi's performances in both films. <laughs> the, the, we'll talk about this later on, but the cast in this movie is insane. It's, it's, it's the highlight for sure. It's like <laughs> peak 90s. Everyone had like... Everyone was either rising or at the top of their game during this movie. And it lets you know how, like, how the value or how action movies like this were thought of at that time that you could get all these people. Because, like you said, some people, like Dave Chappelle's in it, totally forgot that. 100% forgot that. Um, so, some of these, like, Dave Chappelle's a good example of someone who was kind of coming up. So, you would expect to get someone like that. 
but like Nicolas Cage, John Nicolas Cage coming off an Academy Award, John Malkovich, uh, Steve Buscemi, John Cusack. These are people that if you made a movie like this now, where it's just like we're gonna blow stuff up and whatever, they'd be like, no, leave me alone. Yeah, which is a shame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It, yeah, um, do you have any memory of this uh, this movie growing up or? Uh, yeah, it's kind of like it's, it's a repeated memory from some of the past ones, but this is another one of those films where uh, both my parents liked my mother for her cage love back then. But I watched it with them on one of the movie networks as a kid, and it's just always been a part of my life. It's one of those films that I'll always, it's if I see on TV, I'll always just kind of stay on the station and watch it. And it's funny because I was telling you. I always see this movie from like the middle on when I saw on TV. Yeah. So I've been seeing it from the beginning in a long time. So it's kind of nice to revisit this film from start to finish and see the ridiculous opening. <laughs> this, oh my God. I texted Joe when I was watching it. I was like, just started rewatching this. Oh my God. But um, no, I, I kind of agree with you. I, I definitely didn't see this movie in theaters. I was like 12 or something, but I watched it like you did kind of in pieces on tnt or whatever uh through through my teenage years 20 minutes here half hour there but i I did i had seen it uh start to finish eventually but you brought up something that um kind of blows my mind like you said your mother during her nicholas cage years and i think i mentioned it when you said that we were going to do this movie this lady i work with like i mentioned con air to her i don't know how it came up this is like six months ago when we were still in the office but she was like, oh my God, Nicolas Cage and Con Air. And I was like, really? Like that, that blows my mind. Like some actors, like a girl's like, oh, Brad Pitt. You're like, yeah, I, I get it. Like, I see, I see what you're seeing. But the, I did not know that there was this like underground, <laughs> good for him. 90s you know? Cage, man. 90s Cage was like, he, was a hunk, Travolta, like they were my, my mother loved it. Like she couldn't get off of either one of them in the 90s. They were like Vigo twos for her. <laughs> Yeah, Travolta did the he did the the twofer to to lose that. He went crazy. <laughs> he also put on like seven hundred pounds. Yeah. He he kinda went like the Marlon Brando route. Like if you see like Brando and like his prime, you're like, Oh my god, that's like the most perfect looking person. And then you see him in like the score and you're like, Oh my god, what, that guy <laughs> ate Marlon Brando. But um yeah, no, so I, I had a similar memory with you. I don't I, I don't really have any ties to this. Um but I had seen it and I was, I, I knew what I was getting myself into. So yeah. do you have any stats for how it did like success wise financially? So yeah, Connor came out on June 6th, 1997 with a budget of 75 million, making 224 million in the box office. It was written by Scott Rosenberg, the man who brought us Kangaroo Jack and directed by Simon West, who worked with Cage a couple of times, actually. Um, this might be the closest thing to a Michael Bay film that wasn't directed by Michael, but doesn't that wasn't directed by Michael Bay. It definitely is. It really is. And it's, and I'll, I'll thank Jerry Bruckheimer for that. The producer it's, it feels like, I mean, he just came off the rock with this one, film. So it's kind of like going, seeing Nicholas Cage is like, it's like, it's like trifecta of action films from the rock to this. It's like, face it feels off. like then the face off, right? It feels like it's like the three Bay films back to back to back. It's like he did the rock and then they were like, you want to do it again, but like on an airplane, <laughs> it's like the same. Right. Lots of explosions. It's going to yeah. blow shit up. Yep. So that financially did very well. It did well. As, yeah. And, and I agree with you about the Michael Bay thing. Cause I mentioned this when we, when we talked about some other movies, but 
my favorite 90s action movie thing and my it's like my favorite but it's my favorite because it's so bad is when something happens like in an action scene whether someone jumps off something or an explosion and then instead of just letting the sound effect of the explosion or the gunshot or whatever do the talking they have a guitar riff where it's like when and a wow <laughs> it kills me i'm like oh my god that is horrible but it's so bad that it's 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 like synthesizers and like 80s music you're like if someone put that out now i'd be like get the fuck off my radio but it's gonna be hard for these films to people 20 years from now <laughs> oh my god so uh critically it did it did it's all right i mean it's a 6.9 out of 10 on imdb which shocked me 56 percent on rotten tomatoes and Roger Ebert gave it three stars. So, I mean, I, I agree with more. I, I think three <laughs> six is way too low for this. <laughs> but don't you think seven, pretty much seven, is too high? I think seven might be kind of like, I honestly like think seven, seven point five might be like the idea, like a sweet spot for this film. All right. All right. Yeah. Oh, boy. I'm yeah. looking forward to your review now. <laughs> no, 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 no. I enjoyed watching this movie. So, um, so some other stuff that was going on at that time of the world. So movie releases for June of 97, My Best Friend's Wedding, Speed 2, Hercules, Batman and Robin, and Face Off. So also, like we just said with Nicolas Cage, it was released in June of 97 as well. Um, and that came out a few weeks. Face Off came out a few weeks later, I believe. The films were shot consecutively from the summer of 96 to the spring of 97 with the two productions nearly overlapping at one point so june of 97 was a good month to be nicholas cage yeah, i mean who's to him for going like for doing both of them that must have been a lot of work that's like some of the stuff like the some of the scenes that take place in both the films and at least it ended up being being worth it right you know? so because i mean this isn't the greatest movie of all time but it's a, it's a pretty big movie for his career it's um, it's funny seeing a like you know the a-list action star or a-list actor nicholas cage in the 90s to like what he is now he's like the king of the b movies which is he the only movies he does now are really good like just kind of like it's funny seeing that turn like he was like the king of the 90s or one of the kings of the 90s and now he's like the king of the b movies we have like mandy and all these joe films and like he's just like he's it's funny seeing nicholas, that like how he's kind of redefined himself as an actor nicholas cage is and I put Tom Cruise, I think I may have mentioned this on other episodes, but Nicolas Cage is this weird guy where I don't really, I don't know him personally, obviously, but I don't really care for Nicolas Cage. He doesn't seem like someone that I would want to like hang out with or whatever. I also don't think he's a very good actor, but he makes, he makes some pretty good movies. Like how Nicolas Cage won an Academy Award. Like if you, it's crazy. I'm not, and I, not, no knock on that film or anything, but if you saw this movie and I, and I told you, like if you landed on planet Earth in June of 97 and I made you watch this movie and then I was like, that guy just won an Academy Award like a year ago, you'd be like, shut the fuck up. No way. <laughs> but like I said, it's like Tom Cruise. Like I'm not, Tom Cruise kind of seems weird to me. I don't really like him that much, but he makes some good movies. So it's like, whatever. So um outside of the film world some other stuff that was going on at that time la dodger wilton guerrero he breaks his bat and finds out that it's full of cork i remember that it was all over Surprise. yeah it was all over sports center so and this is back when i used to watch sports center um this is a negative news thing well it's kind of positive but timothy mcveigh found guilty of the the okc bombing 
Um, first ever interleague game in Major League Baseball, the Giants beat the Rangers. Big day in my household growing up. The Bruins took a Jumbo Joe Thornton first overall in the NHL draft. Probably a sad day in your house, but you may have been too young to <clears throat> for this to really hit you, but the Spurs took Tim Duncan first overall. Celtics ended up with a third pick and took Chauncey Billups, despite the fact that the Celtics had the worst record. And it was kind of a commercial for why you do lottery picks and why tanking isn't a guarantee, as the Celtics found out later with uh, Greg Oden and Kevin Durant, although Greg Oden didn't work out. So, But, yeah, that was some other stuff that was going on at this time in the world. Do you have a back-of-the-DVD-esque summary? I do. Just paroled Army Ranger Cameron Poe is headed back to his wife, but must fly home aboard a prison transport flight dubbed Jailbird with some of the worst criminals living. Along with Diamond Dog and Baby O, genius serial killer Cyrus the Virus Grissom unleashes a violent escape plot mid-flight. Secretly working with U.S. Marshal Vince Larkin, Poe tries to foil Grissom's plan. I don't know how you got through all those nicknames without laughing. <laughs> I had to actually I had to like edit this because all the actors – it like really slowed down the momentum of this uh this of this summary here, but uh, I love how they never mentioned the, how he's actually in prison because it is the dumbest thing ever. How how Poe did? Yeah, he literally comes back from uh from his from serving right. He sees yep. his wife. They go to he goes to a bar and then that night he ends up killing a guy who's a, just a drunk, bothering them for no reason. I'm like, what the hell? It's like, talking that, about like dealing up. <laughs> that scene was the greatest scene. It, it, we'll talk about it later, but my favorite, I can't remember the guy's quote. I wrote it down. I, I made a note on my phone, but the guy says, so it is that, the thing I love about that scene is if you haven't seen this movie in a while and you're like, I kind of remember what's going on, but like, what's Kanye really about? You watch the first two minutes of this movie and you're like okay i get it <laughs> so you get nicholas cage's horrible southern accent and then so he, he gets honorable di- discharge or whatever from from the military and then you get the how do i live without you song playing in the background and then that guy at the bar says line of the movie the guy at the bar says i'd take a beating half my life to get a piece of that woman yes that's <laughs> like, right who says <laughs> that's that? right and yeah <laughs> And then Nicholas Nick Cage like puts his uh his ear up to his wife's stomach and and he's like, "How's my baby?" in like the most <laughs> horrible Southern accent ever. But then the balls and then he these kills other guys. The guy. Yeah, it's like the balls the uh, the balls these other guys though. Like the the guy just came back. He's in his uniform still, and they're they're like they're screwing with him. It's like what the hell. <laughs> and then and then they go, and I I haven't I haven't looked into this. I'm not a lawyer, but I've heard, I think the whole, like, you're an army ranger, so you're considered a lethal weapon or whatever is total crap. I could be wrong if someone corrects me, but I've, because people say it about boxing and stuff, people are like, oh, once you take, once you're a boxer, like your hands are considered lethal weapons. And I think that's just like something that some guy said at a bar one time to impress someone and carried on but yeah the whole the whole first five minutes of the movie it goes from he's getting honorable discharge as an army ranger to he's in jail before the title track like that's all of that happens within the first three minutes of the movie it's insane 
So <clears throat> some of the people, like we said, the cast of this movie is crazy. So I really only, I picked two people to kind of give you an update on as far as where they were in their career. The first one, obviously, is Nicolas Cage. He'd been around for a while at this time. So he had Rumblefish, Valley Girl, Raising Arizona, Moonstruck, all in the 80s. Uh, that con- his success continued into the 90s with Honeymoon in Vegas, Red Rock West, Trapped in Paradise, which is a favorite of mine from when I was young. But it, I haven't watched it since I was very young. And it was only a favorite of mine because it was one of those movies that like my aunt bought me the VHS and it was one of the movies we had. So I, we could eventually rewatch that. It could be the worst movie of all I've time. I've never seen so. it, so okay. Yeah, it's not surprising that you've never seen it. It's not like this like <laughs> award winner, but um, but in starting in the mid '90s, his career like jumped to another level. So he he got Leaving Las Vegas in '95, Academy Award, Golden Glove, uh, Golden Golden Glove. We're talking about boxing, Golden Globe. You know, does very well. He's The Rock in '96, Face Off in '97, Con Air in '97, City of Angels in '98. Um, that's a unreal stretch right there and then later he went on obviously in the 2000s he had the national treasure films ghost rider matchstick men which matchstick men really is a really good movie um uh, was it family man is that 2000s as well yeah yeah that sounds right yeah so that was a good that was a really good movie too yeah so again a pretty mediocre actor in my opinion every movie he's in he's clearly Nicolas cage like he's the same guy but He's he's put together a pretty good run. Like I I know people make fun of it, but I'm I love the national. I at least like like National Treasure one and two. Like he they're they're good movies, and and you know he's made and I and I really like Matchstick Man. So no, the, the National Treasure films are fun. I'm, I'm I'm still kind of we always get those rumors of a third film, and I hope it does happen at some point. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it will. I think it will. I do too. So then the other person I picked out is John Cusack. So. He's been a, a part of some huge movies, um, some big roles, some big roles, some not as big roles. So 16 Candles in 84, Sure Thing in 85, Better Off Dead in 85, Stand By Me in 86, Eight Men Out in 88, Say Anything in 89. So, and then he had, he had other movies in the 80s, but those are some of the big ones. And then I think we get into a stretch where he's trying to kind of identify himself as an adult actor. He's trying to make that jump from I'm not just the older brother and stand by me or, or Lloyd standing with the boon box and say anything. So he starts doing some more adult roles. He does city, uh, city hall in 96, gross point blank in 97, con air in 97, thin red line in 98 being John Malkovich, 99 high fidelity in 2000, which we did. Right. And actually, uh, the writer of this film also wrote that movie. There you go. Yep. It all, it all ties together. So yeah, that just gives you an, uh, kind of a, an update or, or an idea of where those two were going in. The cast is so crazy that I wasn't going to do one of those for each person, but I did want to <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That. All right. I did want to mention just some of the other people that are involved in the film. So obviously John Malkovich, he's probably, as big of a person and this is Cusack, but John Malkovich, Steve Buscemi, Ving Rames, Colomini, Danny Trejo, Dave Chappelle, Monica Potter, who played his wife, Trisha. And I was like, damn, that girl's a total babe. She's like 90s babe. Um, she was also in Patch Adams. And then Powers Booth, who also starred in Deadwood. So quite the cast. And like you said earlier, just like a who's who of 
I'm going to make like, I'm going to make a nineties action movie you're going to need Danny Trejo. You're going to need Ving Rhames. You, you know, they just picked out like the few people, Steve Buscemi, etc. So, um, do you have anything written down as far as random facts, trivia? I have a couple. Uh, this movie seemed to have a lot of problems on the scenes, but thank for the film to not be a nice classic. The film is dedicated to Phil Swartz, an effects specialist who actually died during filming when a rigged plane fell and crushed him. I saw uh, that. Very sad. Yeah. Um, John Cusack. I don't know if this is true or not. Cause I, I read some interviews, uh, like the Hill Pill after, but apparently John Cusack dislikes this film so much he refuses to be interviewed about it. I read that as well. Yep. Did you? I tried doing a little more research about that, and I don't know. I hope that's not the case because I thought he was pretty good in this film. Um, really? I did. I thought he was one of. I'll get into that in a little bit. Why? I yeah, yeah, we'll talk about that later. Um, and John Malkovich was unhappy during production because the script was being rewritten virtually every day and he had no idea how his character was going to turn out, which I think is hilarious. Yep. And then the last one I have, which I found funny more than anything else, the song How Do I Live was nominated for both an Oscar as yes. Best Original Song and a Razzie as Worst yes. Original Song. It won neither. <laughs> it won it didn't win any of them. So. And Leanne Rimes was 14. When she recorded that originally. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yep. Yep. Here's a funny one for you. Another fun fact. Nicolas Cage traveled to Alabama to, quote, perfect his accent. Mission Mission, mission not accomplished, <laughs> Mr. Cage. My, my, one of my good friends is getting married in two weeks. And her, or two or three weeks, I don't remember. And her fiance is from Georgia. And the whole movie, I was thinking that Nicolas Cage sounds like me when I impersonate her fiance. Cause like, he, I'll be talking to Bree and I'll be like, his name's Chris. So I'll be like, oh, is Chris there? I'll be like, yeah, Chris is there. He was talking about making beer and blah, 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 making moonshine down in Georgia. And then I was like, my Southern accent is horrible but it might be better than Nicholas Cage's, which who apparently traveled to perfect it. So uh, then I have some interesting casting um, roles that didn't work out or some other options. So John Malkovich's role, Cyrus the Virus Grissom, right? So Gary Oldman was the first choice to play Cyrus the Virus. Other people that were considered, Willem Dafoe, and by the way, I, I always, with these things, I don't know. I don't know what considered means. I don't know if it's like they thought about it and never even called the guy or did they call Willem Dafoe, offer it to him, and Willem Dafoe turned it down. I don't know what that means, but just names that were tied to it. Willem Dafoe, Mickey Rourke, Kevin Bacon, Alec Baldwin, George Clooney, Robert De Niro, Mike Douglas, Richard Dreyfus, James Gandolfini, Ed Harris, Michael Keaton, Michael Madsen, Jack Nicholson, Sean Penn, uh, Ron Perlman, Tim Robbins, Tom Sizemore, John Travolta, Peter Weller, and Bruce Willis. So it's like, are there any other 90s actors left that weren't? I know, huh? I will say, though, those are some good names. I think some of those guys could have played the role, but Malkovich stole this movie, in my opinion. He has a scene stealer. I This is interesting. I think we're going to disagree on some things. Okay, this is good. I thought... I, well, we'll get into it later. John Cusack's role. So Vince Larkin. Other people that are considered for that. Robert Downey Jr., Charlie Sheen, and Matthew Broderick. Those are the three. 
Nicolas Cage's role. So other people that were considered for to be Mr. Cameron Poe, Stephen Baldwin, William Baldwin, Tom Cruise, Johnny Depp. Here's a, a curveball for you. Dolph Lundgren, Brad Pitt, Keanu Reeves, Kurt Russell, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Steven Seagal, Sly Stallone, Jean-Claude Van Damme, and Bruce Willis. So again, I don't know where this, how researched these facts are, but it's pretty much just like they Googled 90s male actors and tied them to each one. And then last one, Steve Buscemi's role of uh, Garland the Marietta Mangler Green. Tim Roth was the first choice to be part of Garland the Marietta uh, Mangler Green. Um, and then he appeared with Steve Buscemi in, in Reservoir Dogs. Uh, he, or he had appeared with them later on or earlier on. So real quick while we're on, because we're not going to bring up, we're not going to bring up any more Ace Younger in this movie. Steve Buscemi, talk about a wasted character. In this movie? In this movie. Well, yeah, in this movie and like uh, in Armageddon. Yes. Yeah, he no, tell, I agree like, with these, you. These action films where he just like does, he does, he adds nothing to the film. <laughs> and the thing is, I think Steve Buscemi is a good actor. Oh, I do too. He's great. He's a great actor. No, I agree. This, this movie had a lot of similar, a lot of the stuff that I think we said about um, Armageddon, you could also say about this movie, although I personally liked Armageddon more than I liked this movie, but. Oh, all right. Yeah, but um, I think that I agree with you. I think that like you probably could have done without having so many characters and just had like two or three, like that's what, that's why Die Hard's so great, right? Because you got John McClane and you got Hans. And yeah, Hans has his crew. Like he has a guy, the blonde guy that um, uh, Bruce Willis kill, uh, that John McClane kills, and his brother. Like you know some of his guys, but you, they don't spend much time on them. Right. So you focus more on the important ones. Right. Like we need to see Buscemi talking to this girl, having like a little tea party outside. Like that. Why? What? What happened? What came from well, that? Other than a song they sing when they're when they're about to cry when they're crashing. It's like nothing else came out of that. I felt. I agree with you. A hundred percent. But I think the thing with that is you just shouldn't have had Steve Buscemi in the movie because oh, that, that is what Steve Buscemi adds to a movie. Cause he's not a big, strong, physically imposing guy. What he is is creepy as all hell. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like that's why, like you said, it's like <clears throat> the scenes that he's in, he obviously does is he's, he's great in them, but as a writer, I could have been like, okay, we can check out all of his yeah. stuff and we're good. <laughs> Nothing will change right. in the movie. Yep. Um, did you, I think we talked about it before we started recording, but did you have anything for not like things that wouldn't fly in today's environment? Not really. We talked about this, like you said in the beginning. And what I had was some of the dialogue and conversations might offend some people, but, and like we talked about before, these are prisoners talking yeah. about this. So it's like, it's, you, you kind of have to like, you know, they're rough on the edges and they're going to be talking about <laughs> that's, like, that's putting it nicely. I know. But like, it's like you, you have to kind of anticipate they're not going to be, you know, they're going to be saying some things that might offend some others, I guess. One thing I was seen, like a scene that made me cringe, but it's supposed to make me cringe because he's, he's supposed to be a horrible person. And he is, is when uh, Danny Trejo's character was like threatening to, to rape the, the female guard and John Malkovich. So Cyrus the virus is like, Hey man, cut it out. I was like, that's a weird time to, that and that scene, like, and that's one, of, that's, that's one of those scenes where you like kind of cheer for Cage and everything. You, you, that one of the cheer moments when you see Danny Trejo just getting <laughs> smashed against yeah. the gate, and then yeah, no, and we'll, and we'll, we'll, I don't know if I wrote this down, but so I'm just gonna say it now. 
one thing that I didn't like about Nick Cage's character, Cameron Poe, is they start up the movie selling him as this like killing machine. Like he's an army ranger. He gets an extra charge because he's a, a, a deadly weapon, whatever. I didn't really see anything in the movie where they highlighted that. Like I would have liked to, to see more stuff where I was like, oh, wow, that guy knows what he's doing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. The only thing we see is against the three drunks, which is they're three drunks. <laughs> and even that, that wasn't like army ranger training. Right. That was like, you could, he could just be a scrappy guy from, you know what I mean? But yeah. anyway, no, I, yeah, moving I agree. on. So favorite scene, what's your, what's your favorite scene? So for this, first off, uh, this cast was insane. John Cusack's scenes should have been boring, I thought, but he brought this energy to make the scenes more fun than they should have been. I know you're not, not going to agree with that. Um, and I thought Malkovich as Cyrus was really good. I thought he was actually a terrifying villain throughout. Um, my favorite scene we'll need uh, is the moment where Cage tells his friend he's going to show him that God exists. Yep. And then he goes down the line, beats the hell out of everyone in his way, gets shot in the process, and he ends up landing the plane. And then right from there, we catch our breath real quick. And then head off in the last chase with Poe and Larkin teaming up, like uh, chasing Cyrus and his crew on the fire truck. It's such a fun like transition, of, like of twenty minutes. Yes. Um, so no, that... I don't know what go we were gonna say. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I'm just gonna say though, I will add. How did the guy flying the plane end up escaping with Cyrus? And, and he ends up driving the fire truck. It's like, I have no idea. It's like, how the hell did that happen? But no, yeah. that the whole scene that was, I think, my favorite scene in the film. So that kind of ties into what I was, what I was going to say. So honestly, like if I was being honest, my favorite scene, like the one that I got the most joy out of, was the opening scene at the bar, just because it was so ridiculous and it was so, like, it had everything I liked in the movie, which is pretty much Nicolas Cage. And none of the stuff that I didn't like, it was totally ridiculous, totally over the top. So stupid. But I don't like, I feel like if I always, I, th I think I've said the opening scene before and I feel like that's a cop out. Um, but so my, the other thing I wrote down was the Vegas chase scene. It's like, it's a hint of the action that I would have liked more of. And you get Nicolas Cage's like glorious mullet hair flying in the wind on a motorcycle. That, that was, that was something like we'll talk about it later, but I wish there was better action for such a, for such a nineties, like iconic action film. There wasn't that much great action, but soundtrack, do you have anything as far as um soundtrack? All I wrote down and you already said it was the, how do I live without you? Right. The soundtrack is both. pretty much how do I live without how I live and sweet home Alabama, but the score does its job in the best nice way possible with Mark Mancina helming the role. He's responsible for, pretty much every 90s action film like bad boys speed and so you can definitely sense his score in this film especially like in the end um chase sequence so he's responsible for that guitar reference like when and absolutely <laughs> yep so all right so i'll start because we, this is something we're gonna uh disagree with if you could change one thing my thing honestly is i wouldn't and i love i really like him but i would have replaced john cusack and like I said, I really like John Cusack. I just think he was not a good fit for this film. It was, I don't think he was that good in it, but I don't think 
it was the role was really cut out for him and i think it seemed like he was like forcing it a little bit um none of the other what ifs that we talked about earlier would have been great either but which was uh, robert downey jr charlie sheen and matthew broderick but out of the three of those i would have liked robert downey jr because i think sheen is too i don't know you wouldn't you wouldn't buy him as an agent and then broderick is too clean like he's too you wouldn't buy that he'd get his hands dirty which is kind of what i think about cusack i think that's why i had a hard time with cusack so robert downey jr this is right in the middle of his rough times with the the drugs and the whatever so he may not he may not have been available but if he was available he would have been a good pick and you probably could have got him at a discounted rate and then um the other thing that's just like a side note is i kind of just touched on it a minute ago but for an iconic action 90s movie the action scenes in the movie kind of suck they don't suck but there's not a lot of it's a lot of just that bad cutting like you know so-and-so goes to throw a punch and then it cuts to like the guy falling down it wasn't it wasn't done that well but my my big thing was surprisingly because i'm a huge john cusack fan i would have rather someone else what about you a curiosity what do you think of malkovich being uh cyrus um i wasn't i thought malkovich was this is sounds sounds so stupid i think malkovich was too good of an actor <laughs> to be Cyrus and you know who ironically when I looked at the the casting what ifs who I was like that's it that's the perfect guy because this is one of the other names that was tied to the Cyrus role is Ed Harris I thought but he and he was in the rock right so I think Ed Harris but that might be because I've seen the rock I like the rock and so I'm like just kind of like I'm just kind of merging the two yeah yeah but but I I like I compare Ed Harris's role in The Rock to Cyrus's role in this a little bit, and I, but but, yeah I wasn't I think Malkovich I didn't wasn't crazy about it but I think it's because it's, it's like I said it's a compliment he's too good of an actor. But what, what about you? What would you have changed? I put uh, it probably would have been the whole side arc where Poe's looking for the syringe. Uh, here we are watching Cage essentially turning into like this action hero in the '90s, running around for way too long in my opinion away from the rest of the cast we did get a brief exchange between him and larkin because of this which yep. uh was obviously an important sequence but i think him being off on his own away from everyone else for that long was the biggest mistake because like you said like a lot of the all the scenes where maybe more so in my opinion that are fun to watch is one they're on the plane together or it's kind of like speed where they are on the, they're on the bus one location the entire time. I kind of wish this was all on the plane for the entire time up until like the end scene, maybe, but I kind of wish, I, I think that detour with them landing really slowed the film down. Well, speed's another good example of what we were saying earlier, where it has the right amount of cast members. It has Bullock and Keanu. And then like, you know, the other people, but they don't spend a ton of time on it. Right. So and I, that's do, like, I, I want to say too, <laughs> Tony Shalhoub plays the worst DEA agent I've ever seen portray in film. Like, was he yes. ever trained? Like, what, what did he just like walk on with like a gun? Like, he sucked at his job. Maybe, like, maybe he knew <laughs> he knew the right people or something. Although, you know, I know some. I know personally, I know some cops and some what just local cops that I'm like, how the hell is that guy a cop or fireman? Like, I know, I know some firemen. I play hockey with firemen, and they're all the ones I play hockey with are all in good shape. But I know some firemen that I'm like, if you're telling me that that guy 
is going to run up a flight of stairs to save me. Like that's not going to happen. I'm, I'm not going to make it. So, but um, I agree with you about the syringe thing. I, I, I didn't think of that while I was watching it, but that was kind of a, an unnecessary, it's like, I get it. He's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. That's what, it was just another thing to prove. Like, you know, he's a, he's a good guy who's had some bad luck and he's willing to get his hands dirty if he has to, but he doesn't, he's a good heart. It's like, I get it. So time to rate the movie. So if you've listened to this before, you know, we rate uh, movies on a scale of one to five. Would you mind paying a late fee to keep this movie? So score of one is no, you're going to watch five minutes of it, return it that same night. Um, because you don't want to pay a late fee on it up to a score of five, which is I'm willing to keep it an extra day or two or three, maybe even just buy it from the rental store. So you don't have to bring it back. So it's Joe's pick. So I go first, correct? All right. So this is a movie like some of the other ones, like a lot of the other ones we've done where you are supposed to just turn your brain off. And I get that. And this score may sound low because I did enjoy it. And, but I think part of it is I compare it to the rock of course, which I like in other 90s action movies like Speed or like Broken Arrow that I remember really liking. So all that said, I gave this movie a 2.5. I enjoyed it. I really did. And, but it's as stupid as I remember and not as entertaining as I remember. And the reason I, th- I was thinking about this after I watched it, Nicolas Cage this is so bad that it's good. There's a bunch of actors, John Cusack being one of them, Steve Buscemi being another one of them, that are just that bad where they're not they're not so bad that it's funny. But overall, but I enjoyed watching it. And it, and it was a good length. It was like an hour and 40 minutes. So it was the perfect just turn your brain off, laugh at some stupid stuff for an hour and 40 minutes. All right. What about you? I said uh, 3.5. And I do like it. Well, then Armageddon, even though I gave him the same score, I do enjoy watching this movie a little bit more, I think. Okay. Um, it's one of those films that really defines the nines, in my opinion. <laughs> the actors were all rising or the top of their game at the time. This film is absolutely ridiculous, and the plot is something else. But it's one of those films that I will almost always keep on TV if I happen to be flipping by. It does slow down sometimes, but it gives us an awesome payoff, and that's pretty much um, – if it fizzles out in the end, I would have – thought differently of this film but thankfully the payoff is really good and this i is, think go ahead go ahead sorry no no we're gonna say no no go ahead sorry i was just gonna say this is peak cage who came off the rock and went on the face off and it might be the perfect trifecta for 90s action films around that time for him and so kind of com- falls in line with there yeah yeah no I, I agree with that so comparing this to armageddon the things that this does better than armageddon just because we did them back to back and you brought it up but I do love the this movie's way shorter than Armageddon. Yes. I like that. But I like I think Armageddon had more strong performances than than this one did. The but, actors probably no, the actors are better in Armageddon. <laughs> I just think my problem with Armageddon is there's too much action happening. Where like I, every once in a while it is nice to take a breath and slow down a little bit. This yeah, film no. does it maybe like a little too long at times, but I do like that little bit of like a slow down instead of like the whole problem with Armageddon. Yeah, the problem with Armageddon is the entire time spent on the rock. Like, I, right, I agree. <laughs> if, if you cut that in half, Armageddon would be a yep. million times better. But yeah, enough talk about Armageddon on the... <laughs> we already talked about that. So um, the beer, which w- was amazing. I don't know if I told this, but when I was in there, when I was in uh, RMA, 
in Amesbury. The guy saw me holding the can. He's like, have you tried that yet? And I was like, no. And he's like, oh, I just tried it last night. It's really good. I guess they're this brewery. So um, Broadbrook Brewing Company is kind of just getting distributed into this area. So they're out of Connecticut, but Joe and I live in Massachusetts. So if you have the chance uh, to pick up Runway 24, I would highly recommend it. Very good. And it fits the the can fits the the movie perfectly. So, um, that's awesome. Yeah. In closing, um, follow us on Instagram. We're at the late fee. If you have a suggestion, um, send it our way. We'll we'll put it to the front of the line. I'm gonna introduce my next movie. It's gonna be. We're recording this in late November. Sorry, whoa. Late well, this September. will be released in late November. Yeah. <laughs> no, late September. Sorry. I know time's gone right now. But we're going to start getting into um, – Joe's working to get caught up in some episodes, and we're going to start getting into our October yes. Halloween-themed um, movies. And this just happened to be my next pick anyway. And it's not a Halloween-themed movie, really, but it involves ghosts, right? So yeah, my next Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. So my next, my next pick is going to be the 1980s classic Ghostbusters, which I'm pretty excited yes. about. I haven't watched this movie – start to finish in a very long time so yeah so i'm very excited about that so but like i said feel free to send in suggestions and um we appreciate it and yeah thank you guys very much for listening as always guys thank you